We are gearing up. I know Brooke is excited um, about VBS coming up, right? You still need volunteers though, right? Okay, so we're going to be more excited when our volunteer list gets full. And actually, we have extras, right? Because God provides. Amen. VBS is one of the opportunities that we have every single year to open up our doors and do amazing things in this community. And I am always so excited. I can still remember my VBS leaders from when I was Henry's age. And when I was that, come here, Henry. Can I borrow you for a minute? Come here. Or, nope. Okay. It's all right. Just wave to everybody. Can you imagine going from Henry's age to, I turned 50 on Tuesday, so Henry's age to 50, and I still remember the people that made an impact in my life when, when I was his age and his size. I remember Nancy Harbin coming up and telling me different Bible stories, but mostly what I remember from her, though I don't remember the specific Bible stories, is I remember that she loved me and she wanted me to know that God loved me. And it made a difference. Beverly Mitchell, Louise um, Young, different ones stepped up. John Allen, Kathy Allen, different people stepped up and they made a difference in my life. And over the years, time after time and again, I would have teachers who came up and taught me. Well, these are lessons that not only our kids need to get, but we need to get, because God does amazing things. Our theme verse for June, which is our VBS month, is Ephesians 3.20, which says, Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. We are diving into stories that our kids will learn at VBS, and we're going to dive into those stories in worship to remember that nothing compares to the love of Christ. And it doesn't matter what our plans are. It doesn't change who God is. That God is faithful. That we can trust him no matter what. And today we're going to talk about Daniel and the lion's den. Now I sort of remember having nightmares after this one in VBS when I was a kid. But, you know, um, it's it's... It's a great story about God's faithfulness, and, and every time I would, I would dream about that, I'd wake up and my mom would say, but remember what God did. Remember what he did. And I would say, that's right. He kept Daniel safe, and she said, he's going to keep you safe wherever you go, and whatever you do, and he has. Even when I've faced lions and been put in the lion's den, we're going to have stories about, um, well, next week we celebrate um, with the youth, with homecoming. But then after that, we're going to study again Queen Esther. And we learned a little bit about her with the kids on Children's Sunday and how she's going to go beyond with, with boldness. And then we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan who goes beyond with kindness. And then Jesus healing the ten lepers and how... Um, they went beyond with thankfulness. But today, today we're talking about going beyond with faith. 
So I want to give you a context for the scripture for today. God had been warning Israel for hundreds of years, from the time of King Solomon to the time of the Babylonian captivity, which our story is set in for today, kings became worse and worse and worse. And God is going, I'm your king. You guys wanted a a human king, and, and I gave you one, but understand that the king you need is me. And... Eventually, God had been warning and warning and warning, and eventually the Israelites went into the Babylonian exile. In the book of Daniel, we know about four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are placed in different situations in which they are put in a trial, and God rescues them and protects them. They committed to fasting. They committed to prayer. They committed to refusing to worship idols. That was the first thing the four of them did. And in chapter 3 of the book of Daniel, you'll remember that three of them refused to bow down to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar said they had to bow down to. And they were placed in the fiery furnace. But not a thread on their clothing was singed. It's daunting to me to think about a fireman running into a fire with all their protective gear. I I don't know how people do that. That's a very special calling. But these, these three men went into the fiery furnace and had faith in God that they would be okay. In chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, the next thing you see is a hand writing on the wall. And no one can interpret the message except for Daniel. And Daniel gains the attention of King Darius in that moment. And he is promoted and given a place of honor in the kingdom because of that translating ability, which is a gift of God. Well, there were some folks that were jealous And they kind of set it up so a law was enacted about who they could pray to. So we're going to pick up there in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Um, The law has been signed stating that for 30 days, this is a law of the Medes and the Persians, that the only person they can pray to is King Darius. So this is Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? They didn't like Daniel. The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, 
or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. So the king is trying to rescue Daniel because he knows who Daniel is and he knows what Daniel stands for and he knows the gifts God has given him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to the palace and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions along with their families. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and consumed them. This is not in our passage, but I want to add this. King Darius wrote to the peoples of all nations, to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Y'all, God is good. God is so good. Framed by his enemies, Daniel faced a lion's den. I can't, I mean, it's intimidating to go to the zoo and see the lions on the other side of the, the, the fence and know that they really can't get to you. But to be dropped right in there, you, you got to hope they've been fed recently, you know. Um, but Daniel was locked in there and Daniel didn't fear. He prayed to his God. He prayed to God himself that he would be protected. 
And Darius didn't want to do this to him. Darius saw the goodness of God in Daniel, and he tried to rescue him. He tried to find a way about, around the very law that he had put into place. But he rejoiced when Daniel was saved. It's interesting that the very name of Daniel means God is my judge. God judged him. God didn't let man judge him. God judged him and found him blameless and delivered him. There's two parts of this I want us to look at today. One is trust and one is faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we are reminded that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is seeing the lions right there around you, but believing God has you. He didn't let the lion stop his faith or his trust in God. Um, some of y'all know I got married last week, and um, one of the singers at our wedding is a former student of my husband's, and he is a, he is a blind um, student, and he, um, he came in and he opened his voice and he sang so beautifully. And somebody, I heard somebody ask him if his blindness had ever been a hindrance to him, and he said, why no, God give me exactly what I need to see. And I thought how amazing that was. His attitude, he had a smile on the whole time. I began to think about friends who are pilots who've talked about when they first began to fly. How they were trying to, to learn by sight. But if you know much about it, or if you don't, and you've just been on a plane, I'm sure you've seen the gauges that pilots fly by. Eventually, pilots have to learn to, to fly blind. They have to trust the gauges more than anything else. They, they look with their eyes, but they rely on those gauges. They have to fly blind and trust that that panel is accurate, and it's going to do what, that, that everything is as it says. When we trust God, we trust God that everything is as He says, regardless of what we see out here, regardless of how intimidating out here looks. He's given us all these signs that He's got it. It's under control. Martin Luther King Jr. made the statement, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase be really intimidating to step out in faith. It can be really intimidating to step out and, and take on anything new. It can be intimidating to volunteer for VBS. But God rewards you. And he's telling you the staircase is there. Take it. Step out. In Hebrews 11, we're reminded that faith is the evidence of things unseen. We're reminded of Jesus telling Thomas, Blessed are those who, who do not see and yet believe. An example I think we can all relate to, um, except for those who maybe aren't driving yet, is that um, 
when we take our car to somebody for tires or a brake repair, we give it to them, trusting they know what they're doing, and we get it back, and we get in, and we turn the key, and we hit the gas, and we, we're going to hit that brake, and we're going to hope it's going to stop, right? Are we just hoping, or do we know it's going to stop? I guess it depends on who your mechanic is. But we're careful about who we take our car to because we know it could be a life or death ending if we're not careful. When we travel, lots of us go over bridges. Who in here loves a good bridge? I do. Hate heights, but I love a good bridge. Yeah, you like, you like a bridge? Yeah, they are fun, and I see Leah likes one too. They are beautiful, but boy, let me tell you, there are some long bridges you can go over. There's one called the Mighty Mac Bridge in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and it is five miles long. And I love being on that bridge because I know I'm close to, to the island where I go to for vacation. But for that five miles, let me tell you, I am praying because you are, you are up in the air, it's a big drawbridge, and I'm sitting here thinking, I really hope that all those materials that the crew used are still good, are still holding, are still good, and that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say several times, I hope they're still good, um, <laughs> because that bridge is keeping me from danger, from falling into one of the Great Lakes and just sinking right to the bottom and not standing a chance. Bridges are um, amazing. We, we trust that they're going to hold. We trust that engineering. We trust the architecture. We trust the work that's been done, and we trust that the crews keeping it up are doing what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, it's, it's, now this is one thing you will not catch me doing on vacation. Out in Chicago... And in the Grand Canyon, they have these things called glass bridges. Some of them are on the edges of buildings, and like you can walk out, and there is nothing below you but the piece of glass between your feet and the ground, stories down below you. I'm getting nervous talking about it. Yeah, Matt, I'm with you. I see you shaking that head. I, I, oh, it takes a huge level of trust to get out there, and only certain people can take that step, and I'm not sure I'm one of those. Even worse would be one of those glass-bottom swimming pools that's suspended like that. Mm-mm, not my thing. But Daniel might tell us, you know, our trust is as good as the glass is. Our faith is in, is in that that's going to hold. He trusted God to be suspended right over those lions, to be put right in the middle of them. And he knew that God would have him. Doubt and fear will attack our trust and our faith quicker than anything. The world wants to tell us to doubt God. The world wants to tell us that we should be afraid of all that we encounter because it's telling us, you know, God is not going to be there. But we know better. 
We know from the stories of stories like Daniel and Esther and different ones that God is there and that we can go beyond in faith. Doubt is safe and it's easy and it allows us to remain stagnant. But I don't think any of us here want to remain stagnant. Doubt is the fuel of excuses and it's a barrier to success. It's a barrier to growing in God. It's not just trusting what we don't see that we're talking about here today. But we're talking about today seeing something very daunting, very challenging. Perhaps it's cancer. Perhaps it's a parent who is ill and approaching death, or a child, even worse. And trusting anyway. Trusting and knowing that God is there and God is bigger than anything this earth has to offer. Progress correlates with risk-taking. You can't expand the envelope until you do something challenging. Thomas Jefferson, in our um, Declaration of Independence, wrote about what it was like to face the impossible odds and even to dare to commit treason against England in the American Revolution to stand up for principles that they believed in. And he said, we risked our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. They risked it all for the sake of something that would offer true living and true life. Martin Luther King Jr., when he was in Montgomery, he knew something had to be done, and he led people in the Montgomery bus boycott with, with Rosa Parks. Some of you guys have learned about Rosa Parks in school. If not, yeah, great, great lady, but it took a lot of guts and a lot of courage for her to step out, and she had great faith leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. The Selma March, which gained voting rights for blacks, and he went on the road to Memphis, where ultimately he would meet his death. I believe he's in heaven shouting God's praises today. Esther risked it all just to be able to be heard by the king and, and have her people um, saved from the harm that um, what was Haman had inflicted. When we risk loss, we risk it because only the possibility of losing makes winning valuable. We want to beat the odds. We want the challenges ahead of us because then we can see how much, how far we've come. Um, the Kendrick brothers are with a, used to be with a church in South Georgia, and they started making movies, and Hollywood laughed at them. And now they have gone out on their own, and they're competing with Hollywood. They have a new movie coming out called Overcomer on August 23rd. It was filmed in Columbus, Georgia, and it promises to be an incredible example of the story of overcoming impossible odds through faith in God. There's an old... Twilight Zone episode. Who knows the Twilight Zone? Please tell me somebody else knows it besides me. Thank you. Um, there's a Twilight Zone episode that talks about a pool shark who um, 
this guy would go all over the country and he and he would play in different tournaments and he was known for being a great pool player but he often made mistakes and he had challenges to overcome in the game well he died in this episode and he's and all of a sudden like he's playing pool again but the catch is every shot he tries it doesn't matter how much he tries to screw it up the shot goes in and he's like, well, this is no fun. There's nothing that's a challenge anymore. And he looks over at the person next to him and he says, Who's, who knew heaven was going to be like this? This is boring. And they said, who says this is heaven? God teaches us through risk. Um, the Wizard of Oz and Revelation 3 kind of have a connection. Go, hang with me for a second. Um, The Wizard of Oz is not the most wonderful movie ever. Now, I loved it as a kid. Now I look at it and think it's kind of strange with the flying monkeys and all that. But if we look at Revelation 3, it brings up a good point that that story also brings up. Through overcoming deliverance, salvation is reached. And we see how far we've come and how much we've grown. Thomas Paine wrote, The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. I took a risk when I was in, um, I believe I was in fourth grade. And I wanted to learn to play piano. And the very first song I ever played at a recital um, was The Rose by Bette Midler. And that song will forever be in my mind. But some of the lyrics from that song really um, stuck with me about risk-taking. And it's not a song you would necessarily associate with that. But it's, it's very fitting for what we're talking about today. It's the heart afraid of breaking that never learns to dance. It's the dream, afraid of waking, that never takes the chance. It's the one who won't be taking, who cannot seem to give, and the soul afraid of dying, that never learns to live. If we aren't really willing to risk our heart and love, we miss out on relationships. If we aren't willing to be involved in the day-to-day realities of this world, We risk never knowing all the opportunities God has in store for us. And if we don't, um, the the giving and receiving one is kind of double-sided. If we don't receive anything, we never know quite what it's like to give. Because when we give to someone and they can receive something, we're giving a gift that's incredible. And if we are so afraid of dying that we don't learn to live, then we miss the one who is there to prove to us that life is a gift and we don't need to be afraid of dying because when we leave this earth, we get to go and we get to dwell in heaven with him. What are the lions you face? Is there a relationship that's daunting right now? Is something going on in your family or with your work? Perhaps it's a financial lion or something in your health 
or something that you have yet to encounter. God is with you when you are in the lion's den. Stone can be sealed. All that can be done to, to keep you there can happen. But God is with you. I love the little memes that say, um, Janet likes to get to know people. Be like Janet. So today I'm going to tell you, Daniel trusts God and remains faithful, even in the lion's den. Even in the face of knowing God might not rescue him, he remains faithful to God and trusts him. Be like Daniel. We are so blessed with a God who loves us. So blessed with um, the fact that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to give of himself that we might know what great love that is. Jesus told his disciples about this love and he um, did so at the supper when he took bread and he broke it. And he told them and, that this would be symbolic of his body that it would be broken for us and that we were to partake in that as often as we could take it in that we might um, remember all that he's done for us. And he would give thanks for the cup that night as well. And he would tell them that this cup was symbolic of the blood of his new covenant in which he would um, forgive our sins that we might know life eternal. Today we get to come to that table because of what happened then. Nothing outweighs the power of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, you are so amazing. We trust you, we place our faith in you, and we ask that you would be with us in every encounter that we face, even when it feels like we've been dropped into the lion's den. We ask that you would help us to go beyond in faith because your son went beyond for us. He gave himself. Three days later, you would resurrect him and defeat sin and death. And through the love he has for us, and through a relationship with him, we are offered that same victory over death and sin. Let us come to this table today knowing that your spirit is poured out on these elements and poured out on each one of us, that we might go into the world proclaiming your victory. Let us fall on our knees to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.